0: Thanksgiving is more than just a holiday. It's a time where we pack our bags, take the long drive to our family's homes to share time, memories, and food around the kitchen table. It's the time of year where we truly gather in one another's homes, decorating and enjoying each other's company. It's a time to feel incredibly grateful for the blessings in life. And the Sharp Mortgage family wishes you and your family the warmest and best Thanksgiving. If they can help you in buying a home this month, please know that you're in the best care with their team. Contact Ashley with the Sharp Mortgage Team with an email, Ashley at Sharploans.com, S H A R P E loans.com, Ashley at Sharploans.com. Hello, everyone, and thank you again for listening to episode two of In Harmony with Piedmont Opera. Glad you've returned to the podcast, and we are excited to visit with another very interesting and compelling guest today. Her name is Kristen Schwecke. How are you?
1: I'm well, thank you.
0: So I've got a lot of information here about your bio. It is very lengthy. You are very accomplished. (laughs) It's a very impressive resume. we will have ways that people can read through all of the things, but I love this, the way that it starts, which is a name to keep in mind. Her voice filled the house and dominated the stage. Simply spectacular. What a promising dramatic soprano from opera lively, the Mm -hmm. origin of that quote. You hear that? What do you, what do you think? I mean, that's, that's
1: well, that, that was as soon as I read that quote, I'm like, that's, that's my bio quote. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's all I need, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, um, for for the uninitiated, though. Uh, Give us give us kind of the, uh, the the cliff notes version of of your story. Um, introduce people to to Kristen who you know they they hear for people that hear your name and they're thinking, oh well, I'd like to learn more. I don't really know a lot about Kristen. What would you like people to know at least off the jump?
1: Sure. Um I am originally from Wisconsin. I went to undergrad and got my master's degree in wisconsin Uh, my master's i got at the university of wisconsin madison um and then i moved down here to north carolina to do the aj fletcher opera institute at the school of the arts um so I did a postgraduate degree at the Fletcher Opera Institute. They do like a professional artist certificate. Mm. So that's what brought me down to North Carolina. Okay. Um, I did that for two years and I've been here ever since. Uh, so I came down in 2011.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So,
1: um, I, I really kind of fell in love with North Carolina and winston salem and um, so now now I'm here um, so when i finished i I was lucky enough to um, have have plenty of performing opportunities and um, after kind of doing doing the i guess you would say the young artist thing going and performing at other companies. Um, I started teaching locally Mm -hmm. here. So I started um, right downtown at the Stevens Center where Piedmont Opera performs. Um, The North Carolina School of the Arts has their community music school there. So I started teaching voice lessons there. And um, after I was there for a little while, then I started on faculty at Salem College. And um, then also really kind of fell in love with teaching, uh, voice lessons and, um, luckily get to still perform quite a bit while I'm teaching all of my students yeah. and, um, and then I started at Wake Forest. Last year on oh, their wow. faculty. Yeah. Okay.
0: So you you've done a little bit of everything in terms of your your studies, your performance, your teaching at all different places. But clearly, you you put down some roots here in Winston Salem. Mm-hmm. Uh, going back to to when you were at Wisconsin, so you you got your master's in voice. Yes. How early did you know that this was going to be a path you wanted to pursue?
1: Well, so I always wanted to be a singer. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't know what what that meant to what extent I think when I was little, I wanted to sing country music because that's like what I knew. Um, And then my, my mom got me involved in children's choirs. Um, So plug for Piedmont youth chorus Mm -hmm. here. Um, So I think that's, that's a really great way to start. As a singer, is to sing in a youth chorus. Um, so I started. I started there, and then I got involved in musical theater in the like community theater companies. Mm-hmm. Um, And so then I thought that that's what I wanted to do. Um, And so while I was getting involved in all of that, I started taking voice lessons for the first time. Um, And my voice teacher, she was an opera singer. She had sung in the chorus of the Metropolitan Opera. And um, so she kind of, we made a deal when I started taking with her because I was working on... Uh, some pop songs, some musical theater songs, and then she introduced me to classical music and opera. Mm. And so she was like, we can do a little of your stuff and then let me introduce you to some of these. And so she got me involved in doing um, competitions like state solo and ensemble and that kind of thing. And um, I was actually really drawn to the discipline of classical music and um the the details that that are involved in it um and so she actually got me involved in my very first opera when i was in seventh grade Mm -hmm. i sang in the magic flute and um, i was one of the little spirits um and had the most amazing time and especially you know when you're a young child and you hear the queen of the night the first time it's just like sure magical yeah um that a voice can do something like that um so and then i took a little break after that from opera because you know you go to high school and um got back more into musical theater and then i was like well i want to sing so I will go and get a degree in voice (laughs) not really knowing what that meant.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so you you mentioned this a little bit in terms of what drew you to the classical style, which is the detail. Mm -hmm. Um, But what what ultimately made you decide to say, this is the type of voice I want to pursue and not Pack up everything and move to Nashville and try to make it as a country singer
1: right right yeah i don 't know, I think it's just when I sang classical music and when I sang opera, the way that it resonated with me, just you know um, the emotion of it and just the beauty of it and kind of how raw it can be, um, it just spoke to me more than any other genre okay. that I had sung.
0: As the season changes here in the triad, so does the feeling of being outdoors. The humidity lessens, the mosquitoes start to disappear. It's just more comfortable. But as those things drop, so do the temperatures. So how do you make sure you can still enjoy being outside? Well, here's a solution. How about a screened-in porch with a fireplace? I feel more relaxed just reading that sentence. Our friends at Icon Custom Builders have been transforming homes in the triad since 2005 and can help clients enjoy their homes year-round through all seasons. Whatever is on your wish list, large or small, Icon can help. You dream it, and their full-service design-build team can turn it into reality by guiding you through every step of the process. Just visit their website, IconCustomBuilders.com, to schedule a consultation and start your dream project today. How difficult is it to? I mean, one style of singing cannot be like any other. How do you train your voice to sing one style? versus something else so going from more pop style to classical and opera that that's a totally different sound right how right. do you how do you transition or adapt to something like that
1: right yeah that i mean it's a little tricky of a question um but i you know because i i teach a lot of different types of students mm-hmm. um but a a majority of my students are our younger high school students. And so they kind of run the gamut and what they want to learn to sing. Um, so some of them come in wanting to be the next American idol and some of them come in wanting to train classically and go to college for opera. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's just, it's the approach, um, that, that, pop music and musical theater is more belty. So it's like full voice, um, almost like spoken tone way that um, you sing. And um, opera is a little bit different of a placement in your voice. Um, and by placement, I guess, I mean, where, where the sound lives in... In your resonance or in kind of inside your body, um, so I I think of um, singing like pop music and musical theater as like sending it straight out, and musical and opera as like being a more internal sound hmm. and letting the sound like vibrate more inside. If in- that makes sense. Yeah, no,
0: I, I think it does. Okay. Um, I've never experienced that because I can't do any of those things. But I understand what you're saying. <laughs> okay, it does make okay. sense. Um, you, you mentioned a phrase train or classically trained. Mm-hmm. What is that? What does that mean? What does that entail to be uh, to have somebody's voice that's more trained for classical?
1: Right. So um, I. All of my students, I train them from a classical perspective, and I like to always compare it to like when you, when students take dance, a lot of times they always start with ballet. And I feel like classical music is the same way when you're learning how to sing or take voice lessons. Hmm. Um, So it's just focusing purely on technique. So getting much more familiar and comfortable with your body and how your body produces tone, how to breathe well for singing. And then once you breathe, what do you do with Mm -hmm. that breath and how do you use it? So that no matter what style of music you're singing, you're singing in a healthy way.
0: Okay. Yeah, I mean that makes a lot of sense that is, you know, if, if whether people are in their their church choir, I mean the songs that you sing there, that that's kind of what you're talking about with maybe your first introduction to singing whether it's a youth choir, inside church, outside church. I mean those are that that's maybe more the style that people are getting into initially, right?
1: Mhm.
0: Can can you give us a, a, a maybe a little bit of a list of some of the highlights of the what you've performed in, some of the characters that that you've um that you've played and um yeah, we'll just start with that.
1: Okay. Um, well, one of my most favorite things I've done wasn't an opera, but um, was Verdi's Requiem um, with uh, the UNCSA Orchestra. Um, that that was one of my most favorite things I ever sang, um, which it feels a little bit like an opera in mm-hmm. itself, um, but operatically. Um, a couple of my favorite things. Actually, the first thing that I did with Piedmont Opera, it was a joint production with Piedmont Opera and uh, the Fletcher Opera Institute. We did Robert Ward's The Crucible. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that that's still one of my favorite roles that I've ever sung. Um, and then also while I was at school, we did uh, Puccini's La Rondine, and that was probably the most beautiful show um just all around from like a production value and everything that i've ever been a part of um i also really enjoyed um doing rigoletto here Mm -hmm. um and this this last production of traviata um it it wasn't like a big role for me but it was a really fun production there was a really good energy to it i think um Winston-Salem as a whole was really ready for some big grand opera. And I think Piedmont Opera was ready for some big grand opera. So it was nice. It was nice to be part of that return after kind of a, you know, a weird time for the arts. Um, And then probably uh, The Marriage of Figaro was one of my other favorite operas that I've done.
0: How how do you, when, when you're playing, when you're involved in that range of performances and characters how do you approach each one how, how do you get into the right perspective the right um, training practice, rehearsal um, you've got to be in a certain mindset and a certain emotion, I would imagine, to, to be able to do this range. So h- how do you approach that?
1: Right. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a lengthy process for me and I think for most singers. Um, what what I always do, my very first step is I um, if there is a recording of a performance, I always like to find a recording, um, whether it's something from La Scala or from the Metropolitan Opera. I like to watch the opera as a whole. And just see what what other artists have done with it. Um, then you know I go through my score and look at the the possible translations that are in the score, and then I'll go for a word for word translation. As you know, if it's not in English, mm-hmm. um, and then find kind of a, a personal translation that makes the most sense to me and in my English language, um, to really find how I want to shape each phrase that I'm singing. Um, and then if, if the opera itself is based on uh, a larger work, like, you know, like the crucible itself, um, find, finding kind of the origin of the story, finding any kind of books that are written, um, or if it's from a play, just finding that yeah. original source.
0: It's so a lot of research. Yeah, a <laughs> so little a bit. Lot of yeah. Research.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like there's this lengthy process before you even, yeah, you know, get to the notes and the rhythms.
0: Yeah. So I, I was curious about this, but I never asked the question in our in our first episode when we were speaking about La Traviata. Is the 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 ability or the challenge to learn another language? Mm-hmm. Um, when you're having to perform in something other than English how how do you negotiate something like that
1: right yeah and um, it's it's always a, a long process I think um you know luckily traviata is in Italian and I've sung quite a bit in Italian. Um, But yeah, so what I like to do is usually there's translations of all of the operas. um, And there's usually these like poetic translations written underneath that maybe if you were singing the opera in English for some reason, that those words would fit perfectly into those rhythms. but that's not exactly the words that you're saying. So then I like to find those exact like word for word translations. And then I take both of those concepts and turn it into like my original Kristen translation (laughs) of like, what are they really saying right there? Or how would I say that personally so that I can, I can convey that I can get that emotion across in like on my face and in my voice,
0: trying to ascertain the, the meaning rather than just memorizing words and translations. Exactly. Yeah. The Triad Podcast Network is sponsored by Jennifer Johnson, owner of Three Magnolias Financial Advisors and a local certified financial planner who helps people plan for big financial goals such as retirement or college. Especially now, navigating markets is challenging, particularly for those gearing up for retirement, young professionals, business owners, or retirees. Am I saving enough for retirement? As a business owner, do I need a workplace retirement plan to attract and retain key employees? Am I using the right individual investment strategies? Personally, I had some of those questions. Plus, how do I save for my kids' college education? So I went and got local independent advice from Jennifer and her team at Three Magnolias Financial Advisors. They're located at Winston-Salem, and you can get started like I did with a complimentary, no-obligation consultation right here in the triad. Just call 336-701-1600 or email jennifer at the number 3-magnolias.com jennifer at 3-magnolias.com and be sure to catch Jennifer's podcast covering all sorts of financial tips, trends, and strategies right here on this same feed with the Triad Podcast Network. Securities offered through Satara Advisor Networks LLC, member FINRA/SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Three Magnolias Financial Advisors. Three Magnolias Financial Advisors and Satera Advisor Networks are not affiliated. Satara is under separate ownership from any other named entity. You know, we we mentioned that you went to your undergrad and you got your master's at Wisconsin, and then you came here and you were part of the the Fletcher Program for mm-hmm. Opera with UNC School of the Arts. Can can you speak to the transition from being more of in the student role to then jumping into the professional performance part of this now?
1: Right. Yeah. It's uh, well. So I, first, I will say I feel like. Um, The A.J. Fletcher Opera Institute does such an amazing job at preparing you for uh, the professional side of being an opera singer. Um, The way that they treat you as a performer is very much like you are a professional already. They, you know, send you your daily call schedule. Um, Sometimes they're nice and send the whole week, uh, but you... You are treated from the beginning like you are a professional when you start in a in a very safe place to make mistakes. Sure, but um, they they really kind of show you how it's going to be in in an ideal professional setting. Yeah. Um. But I I think there is a little bit of imposter syndrome when when you graduate and get out there and you're uh, now this professional singer. Yeah. Um. But it's it's been nice for me, always being able to come back to Piedmont Opera, uh, because when I was at Fletcher Opera Institute, it was with Jamie Albrighton, Steve Lacoss, and Marilyn Taylor, um, the like perfect trifecta of educators for opera. Um, so so. whenever I get to come back to Piedmont Opera, it's always Jamie um, and usually Steve directing the show. Um, so it always, you know, feels like I'm coming back to a really safe place. Um, but they still now me coming back as a professional and not a student, they treat me totally like I'm a professional artist coming in to do my job yeah. and not so much like a student that they need to take care of. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. What was it like for you the first time you were on stage moments before everything started when you did your first professional performance, the emotions, the nerves, were you nervous? What were you feeling at that time? Mm,
1: yes. Can you, I,
0: can you recall? I'm,
1: yeah. I, um, it, it was very, very nerve wracking. Um, I was doing, I was doing an opera called Too Many Sopranos. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, it, it was a little scary because I, w- I was the youngest person in the cast. Um, so beside yeah, I think that was my first professional opera. And so I think I was 21 or 22, and everybody else in the cast was, um, you know, quite a bit older and more, much more established. But I think it's as soon as you start performing, you just get so wrapped up in the character and in the moment, you don't really have time to be nervous because if you're nervous while you're up there performing, it's going to come through and and then it's just going to get in the way. So I think as long as you can really, as long as you have that character development that you've been working on, you can really just like count. Yeah. On on that character.
0: Were, were you always comfortable on stage in front of people? Did that take some time? Going back to maybe some of your your younger years as as a kid, a teenager, a young adult, mm-hmm. or, did you ever have to overcome any sort of um, stage anxiety?
1: So I, especially when I was younger, I would always get. Extremely nervous right before I sang, but it was like as soon as I was there to perform and started singing, it all would go away but leading up to leading up to the actual performance was always a little terrifying.
0: Any um any pre-show rituals that helped you to uh, to get past that?
1: Um I think breathing. <laughs> uh, Cuz I really do, you know, I tell my my students this all the time, when we're nervous, the very first thing that goes is our breath, mm. like a nice deep full breath. Um so I always like to take some nice calming breaths before before I go but um, yeah no other rituals besides that okay or the one that I do like to do from time to time especially if I'm feeling a little unsure of it is um, is visualizing myself doing the performance, successfully already. So already having that in my mind that I've already done it, I can, you know, that, that it will happen.
0: That's good. That's Mm -hmm. good. Where do you see, where do you want to see, um, this particular part of performing arts, the opera, where do you want to see this be over the next five years? How do you want to see this grow Mm -hmm. in this area, particularly Winston-Salem or Mm -hmm. Piedmont Opera over the next five years as, as you know, as, as we try to just, Introduce more people to it or, or build more of a consistent audience and, and try to um, let people understand the value of this particular form of arts.
1: Yeah, um, because I do. I feel like our like the Piedmont Opera, Winston-Salem fan base, um, they're they're fierce and they will show up. Uh, but I think we do need to grow our audience Um just in terms of classical music in general, we have so many options in Winston-Salem to go see a classical music performance. Um, So I, I do really think that it's about people feeling like it's accessible, like it's um for them that it's not this high society really expensive thing that they're not going to understand Mm -hmm. um you know i do i think it's important to keep um the the cornerstones of opera like like traviata that we just did like la bohème like carmen you know i think those are important to keep but um also finding finding things that maybe are a little bit more progressive, doing some some newer operas, um, which I know in in the past for Piedmont Opera that's um, those are never the shows that everybody comes to the the new operas, but I think um, if we can grow the audience more, that they know that. Every show that Piedmont Opera does is amazing mm-hmm. then maybe they'll take a chance on something new that they've never heard of um, because they know it's gonna be good sure um, but but I also you know I think writing the tales of ragtime that they did last year um, doing shows doing more shows like that um, I think you know, ragtime definitely gave us a a much bigger crowd. And since doing ragtime, I think that a lot of those audience members did then come to see Traviata that normally wouldn't have. Um, And even some of the chorus members from ragtime came over and did chorus of Traviata, which I think is, is great. So, so yeah, I think, um, I definitely think doing new opera um, is, is important, um, but also, yeah, feeling, feeling like things are more accessible and maybe, you know, doing, doing more musicals that people know and love.
0: Timing is everything in life, and I'm certainly hoping that my timing is right to deliver this message to you from The Ginther Group, a triad real estate team with a vast local knowledge. What's the question you often ask yourself when it comes to buying or selling a home? Is this the right time? Buyer's market, seller's market, low interest rates, high interest rates, doesn't matter. The answer can always be yes. You just have to strategize appropriately. And we provided many of those guides in our podcast with Blake Ginther and his team right here on this same feed. But here's a new one offered by the Ginther Group. Let's say you want to sell, but your home condition isn't ideal for a competitive marketplace. They've got a program that can help called Renovate Now, Pay Later. That's right. If your home is a little rough around the edges, you can make the improvements now and pay at closing when you sell. Contact the Ginther Group at 336-283-8689 or visit theginthergroup.com to learn more and see if it's an option for you. You can also talk to them about other helpful resources like their first-time homebuyer seminar or a real estate wealth management consultation. Whatever you need, contact them today, and like me, you can become a Ginther Group client for life. One of the things we got into a little bit with Scott McCloud on our first episode was some of the different stimuli that are now being included in, in performances, whether it's, you know, he mentioned uh, opera in a planetarium and, and mm-hmm. just different, vi- whether it's visual effects or just things that that get people um, that appeal to more of the senses beyond just the the sound of what's on stage what what are your thoughts on that
1: right yeah one of one of the most compelling operas I ever saw um, had no set, and it was just projections on on the background um, which which felt like art in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, And so then you had just beautiful projections in the background, and then you could really focus on the beautiful art that you're hearing in front of you. Yeah, I love that planetarium idea um, that Scott did. Um, I think also um, having having a little bit more of, I guess you would call it community outreach of opera, Um, like bringing opera singers to the brewery.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, You know, I like I think that would be such a great way to introduce people to opera that maybe would never go see an opera. But if they hear an opera singer down at Wise Man and they're like, wow, that was that was amazing. Like, where can I see more of that?
0: Anybody can get an '80s cover band at their brewery, but you know,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. So if we can find a way to go sing opera at a brewery or at a bar and make it enjoyable for anybody,
0: it's a great idea.
1: I like I like it a lot.
0: I, yeah, I'll, I'll be there. Okay. Um. So as a as a teacher, not only trying to teach your students the the craft and and train them in in the different ways to get their voice where where it needs to be. But what else are you preparing them for in terms of the challenges of the profession?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, so I guess the the students that I have are mainly non-music majors. Um, most of them are, you know, especially my students at Wake Forest are communications and English and pre-med. But they all love to sing so much that they're still incorporating voice lessons into their education uh, while they're there. Um, So I think, you know, I I tell my students this all the time that I really hate grading voice lessons. Um, So, so I always have to find this fine line between you know instilling great musicianship in a student and pushing them to be better but also letting them still have fun Mm -hmm. with it because i think that's always um the the tough thing when you decide to go to school for music um a lot of times you can lose some of the joy in it so um I, I think that's always that's always a tough thing to to keep in mind for for the teacher and for the students, um, but then also just uh, finding finding ways when they graduate to keep music in their lives. So most of these students that I'm teaching, they're the ones that are going to want to sing in the Piedmont Opera Chorus or sing in the Winston Salem Symphony Chorale um, or be on on the arts council board um, and support the arts in some way. So I think these students are are very important. Um, and then and then my students that that are actually voice majors and are pursuing voice, um, I think it's important for them to know that that. Uh, a career in music doesn't always just have to mean performing full-time Sure. Um, because that's uh, a rare thing for a singer so finding a way to keep the arts in your life that's meaningful and and enjoyable uh, but maybe isn't everything to to sustain your career,
0: yeah, that's good yeah. advice. That's good advice. Okay, so last thing I want to ask you about is something removed from your profession, removed from your teaching. I want to know just what you love about Winston Salem when, when you're not when when it's when you're not teaching and you're not performing and you have a chance to do something away from music mm-hmm. or opera. What do you like doing in Winston-Salem?
1: Well, um, I so I, I have to say, I do really like that the arts is so prevalent in Winston-Salem. Um, I, I love to go see the symphony and go to a community musical theater show,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but also like go see a band play in Bailey Park um, or go see a band play at Wise Man. Um, and uh the the murals that are starting to pop up around town yeah. are some of my favorite. Um I also like a lot of the restaurants that are downtown. I like that there's all these wineries that are with, you know, within yep. 20 minutes of Winston. Um and that it's really not that far from a big city like Charlotte or Raleigh. Um,
0: where are you going to get your favorite meal in town?
1: Ooh. Um, lately Fratellis.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Roman Ronaldo, yeah.
1: Mhm. Yeah, that's my favorite spot lately.
0: Yep. Mhm. What uh, what what's the dish there that that just keeps drawing you back in?
1: Oh, a ribeye. Yeah. <laughs> And they have, it's, uh, my husband makes fun of me every time I order them, but they have these Parmesan onion hash browns. Really? Uh, But they're so good. It does sound amazing. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's probably the majority of the reason I go to Fratelli's, um, Mm besides, besides the ribeye. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah. All right, very good. Well, Kristen, this has been fantastic getting to to know your story and and hearing some of your thoughts on on arts here locally and beyond. So, thanks for being a guest here on our on our show.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.